athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. Yes, indeed, you've got Box to Row on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. I am your host, Donald Ware. We're winding down the college athletics season. We have baseball tournaments going on for the respective conferences, softball tournaments, track and field is winding down. But I'm going to tell you what, we're beginning, we're beginning the postseason in the NBA. The NBA playoffs are going to be off the chain this year. And I really, really, really like the play-in situation. Looking forward to that. A lot of implications in terms of tonight's games. I'm a Wizards fan. If the Wizards, I mean, if the Wizards cannot beat the Cavaliers tonight, then the Wizards do not deserve to be in the playing game. I mean, it, it's just that simple. Beat the Cavaliers, not a very good team. Some talent, no doubt, but not a very good team. Beat the Cavaliers, you're in. Don't backdoor your way in looking for Chicago to lose one of its last two games. And the Wizards would have another chance against the Charlotte Hornets on Sunday as well. So looking forward to that. The NHL playoffs going to begin. I tell you what, I mean, you know, I'm, I, I, again, all things Washington, I'm a fan of all things Washington. So that includes, well, since I've moved to North Carolina, maybe not as much with Georgetown and Maryland as I once was, but all thing, things pro sports, Washington, I'm all about. So the Caps, we'll see what the Caps look like. I mean, Alex Ovechkin is just having a really good year. I mean, he has, you know, he has a, a good year almost every year. But the Hurricanes here, like I'm interested to see what the Hurricanes do. The Carolina Hurricanes um, located right here in Raleigh. And I hadn't followed the Hurricanes as much. I hadn't gotten a chance to get over to the PNC Arena to check out a game. Hadn't followed them as much because of all the COVID. But man, every time I look at a press release, they've won a game. They've either, they've either won a game or lost a game in overtime, which of course means that you get a point. So the NBA and NHL playoffs are hot and heavy. Listen, got a great show for you today here on Box to Row on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. As a matter of fact, in a couple of moments, we're going to be joined by Kelsey Colzer, who is the head coach of the Arcadia Women's Ice Hockey Program. She's the first black head coach in NCAA ice hockey history. So a history maker. And we're going to talk to Kelsey Colzer in a couple of moments here on Box to Row on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. Also joining us today here on Box to Row on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM, 
Troy Weaver is the general manager of the Detroit Pistons. He is also a Bowie State University alum. Maybe, and I'm pretty sure, but maybe, I mean, I have to confirm it, but maybe the first HBCU alum that is a general manager of an NBA team. Well, on today's program, Troy Weaver has been phenomenal in terms of scouting over and evaluating talent over his career, right? Most recently before, he's not even a, a year on the job as the GM of the Pistons. Prior to that, he was with OKC, very instrumental in the drafting of, of Russell Westbrook, of, of James Harden, and many, many others. So going to be joined by Troy Weaver also today here on Box to Row. You can participate on the program. Hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. If you want to participate with us today here on Box to Row. Let's continue here on Box to Row. We're joined by a young woman who is the head coach of Arcadia Women's Ice Hockey Program. She's the first black head coach in NCAA ice hockey history. Won a championship, as a matter of fact, in the NWHL. Was hired in 2019 by Arcadia and a former All-American at Princeton University. She is Kelsey Colzer. Joins us here on Box to Row. Kelsey, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to, uh, to get to chat with you today. Absolutely. We are, too, and I'm sure you've done this quite a bit. Um, so w- what's it been like the last couple of years, like you're trying to build an ice hockey program there at Arcadia? You were hired back in September of 2019. You you all will compete for the 21-22 season. You know, what what's the last, you know, almost two years been like trying to build this program from, from, from scratch? Yeah, it's been... It certainly has been a challenge. Um, it's, I think it's been one of those things where, you know, my, my patience has been tested more than I think it's ever been tested in my life. Um, just having such, you know, such a long lead time into where you get to really get in the nitty gritty of, you know, coaching and, and being on campus every day with the student athletes and really getting to interact with them day in and day out. Um, it obviously, you know, it was a lot of travel, um, especially, well, you know, before the pandemic started, but, you know, it was a lot of travel, a lot of recruiting, a lot of just trying my best to get, you know, my face out there and Arcadia's name out there and, um, you know, finding the right people to, you know, kind of help me start this program so that, you know, it can be long lasting, um, you know, beyond these first couple of years. Well, there's no question. You've gotten your name and your face out there. We'll talk about maybe some of the personnel you've been able to recruit. Take us through. I mean, because like you said, you're at the you're at the point now where you know you're months away from the start of the season. You're at the point now where you have maybe not the the roster in in its entirety, but you have uh, some players. But like when you're hired, September of 2019, there's no program. So I mean, what, what are some, what what are what were some of the first things that you did? I mean, the first thing really were, I mean, step one is making sure that you have the right 
you know, the, the correct number of players so that you can put a team on the ice. And so that really, you know, before you started thinking about, getting, you know, building a schedule and, um, you know, the locker rooms and, and you know, where players are going to get dressed and um, travel arrangements and, um, you know, equipment, the first thing is just recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. And so that really, from the day I started, you know, I would say probably the next week I was on the road, um, just getting out to tournaments, you know, recruiting, calling as many coaches as possible, um, you know, finding, speaking to as many kids as possible, really, just to, you know, make sure that I was doing my part to, you know, get a roster that, you know, I felt confident in and, you know, numbers that I was happy with uh, come May 1st, which is, you know, May 1st of this past, you know, this past May 1st, which was, you know, kind of college signing day or, or decision day. So um, that really, you know, step one was the the player personnel. And then, you know, the rest of it kind of came along as, as we got through, you know, the first few months of, you know, then starting to think about scheduling and, um, you know, designing the, the locker rooms and making sure that, you know, it has everything that we need and, um, you know, hiring assistant coaches and, um, you know, now starting this, you know, this past month has just been crazy with trying to figure out, like, okay, logistically, like, what are students' classes going to look like and how, you know, when are we going to practice and, you know, how, like, just going through the process of ordering equipment and making sure we have those last final touches so that we're prepared for September, October. No question. What is the roster? I mean, are you – you know what's the what does the roster look like for this upcoming season? Are you obviously you're happy? You're going to be happy with the players that you're able to recruit. But I mean, do you feel like there may be some pieces missing from the way you envision this program? How how does that personnel look? Um, yeah, I mean, I think we look good. Um, you know, it's the the biggest focus. You know, especially in starting a newer program, is building a really strong culture from start one, from day one. And so, um, you know, I really feel confident in the players that we have, and you know what we're what we're building, and and you know, kind of setting those building blocks so that you know we know, you know, we're we're going to see kind of how things fare in year one, and we know, you know, then where to go in year two, just to you know help complement the players that we have. Um, you know, I think numbers wise we're we're happy where we're at and you know especially character wise we're definitely happy where we're at kelsey colzer is the head coach of the arcadia women's ice hockey program and she joins us here on box to row kelsey can you speak to some of the you know we always ask and, and we're you know a year be a little well more than a year beyond when uh, we first knew about covid but for you and start trying to start a new program what were some of the challenges that COVID-19 presented to you? Yeah, it, you know, it, it certainly put a wrench in the plans, especially considering where we were at. It was still very much so in the stage of needing to get out on the road and recruit and see as many players and talk to as many players and especially have players come to campus. And so for a while that was, you know, not a possibility. And so it really, you know, I think like many other coaches, it really kind of tested my adaptability and, you know, how I kind of go about making sure that I'm still getting my face in front of these kids and, and having quality conversations. 
I think, you know, in the age of technology, we've kind of mastered that. And so, um, you know, still having those quality conversations via Zoom so that, you know, kids can see your face and, and you know, kind of get a sense for your real personality, um, you know, and then, you know, working with what we have virtually for, you know, for a bit um, that was, you know, directing kids to virtual tours and, and things like that just in the meantime until campus opened up for us to at least do some kind of, you know, in-person touring and things like that. Um, you know, one of, I think just one of the most challenging pieces was actually getting to see kids play. You know, it was tough to rely on some of those, you know, video services that sometimes are good, sometimes are not the best. You know, it's sometimes hard to see exactly what numbers are out there and um, just not getting that ability to get there in person, I think was one of the, the hardest aspects. But, you know, I think I was fortunate enough to have a campus that, you know, understood the necessity to have in-person tours and have kids actually come and see the campus. And so, you know, we opened for on-campus tours, you know, late last summer. And so it, it definitely, I think, helped to keep us rolling and, and keep the keep the momentum going that, that we had that I had really built and created um, in the first few months of, of starting at Arcadia. Kelsey Colzer joins us here on the program. I mean you were a great player at Princeton as mentioned with the Metropolitan or New York Riveters. You were the first pick in the 2016 NWHL uh, draft, won a championship, named co-MVP of the All-Star game. For for you, what does it mean uh, to be the first black head coach in NCAA ice hockey history, uh, again, at now Arcadia University? Yeah, I think it's, for me, it's, it's obviously an incredible feeling, but I also feel this sense of, you know, it's, it's, it's time. You know, I think people are ready. It's, um, you know, I, I feel this sense of, you know, almost a bit of shock sometimes of just, you know, thinking to myself, how has it taken this long to have, you know, the first black head hockey coach? Um, obviously, hockey has not always been the most diverse sport. I think, you know, we're definitely making strides now to increase diversity, both, you know, amongst females as well as, you know, minority and, and um, you know, people of color. But um, I think the position is, you know, it, it's something that I feel for myself, you know, I need to kind of take advantage of that and, and, you know, put my best foot forward so that, you know, for in the future, it's not going to be that big of a deal when you say, oh, yeah, my, you know, my, my coach is black. And that's, you know, just kind of going to be a part of the game. And so um, I'm definitely excited. And um, I think it's, you know, I think it's been a long time coming, but I think the hockey world is definitely ready. Again, Kelsey Colzer is the head coach at Arcadia Women's Ice Hockey Program or the coach of the Arcadia Women's Ice Hockey Program joins us here on Botch Row. We're going to step aside, take a break, come back with more of Kelsey as you're locked into Box to Row. On the way, it's more of From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. Right, 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 right here, right here on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM.
the old renaissance is the new renaissance standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction this is the harlem brewing company uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste a sound and a feeling that can only be described in one way harlem style so come and take a trip on the a train with our harlem sugar hill golden ale and our harlem renaissance with the neighborhood original sponsored by harlem beer distributing north carolina for more information log on to their website at harlembeernc.com now back to from the press box to press row with donald ware on espnu radio on sirius we're back here on box row we're talking with kelsey colzer she is the head coach of the arcadia women's ice hockey program first black head coach in NCAA ice hockey history, a great accomplishment. I mean, you, you know, you, you made a great point on the other side of the break in terms of, hey, we, we want to get to a point where it's not, you know, like that's not a big, you know, not a really that big of a deal. Uh, we'll, we'll get back to that. But what do you remember? Like your playing days at Princeton were like really great. Like you were a great player at Princeton. What do you remember most about uh, those days where you were, I believe what three-time first team all Ivy League. Yeah, I mean it was. I mean every day. I think what you know kind of kept me going is that every day was a brand new challenge. Um, it obviously academically was the hardest I've ever been pushed in my life, and then you know I really found that when I was able to find success in the classroom, that translated to success on the ice, and and vice versa. When I was, you know, when I was doing well on the ice, it really helped give me that confidence in the classroom to you know do my best and so I think what I remember most is just you know kind of having that opportunity to you know constantly push the program and and you know push Princeton women's hockey to to new heights I mean we you know we had gone a little bit of time where you know we weren't having as much success and so I think I you know, I was fortunate to be at Princeton at the time that I was because it was really this, you know, a period of, you know, new growth and, and turnaround and, you know, getting back to, you know, some really dominant winning ways. And, you know, we certainly had our challenges. We had our ups and downs. But, you know, in just a few years, we, you know, went from kind of a bubble playoff team to winning the Ivy League championship. And that's something that, you know, I'll always remember, something that I'll always you know, kind of cherish. Um, but I think it's, you know, it was just that, that satisfaction and that gratification of, you know, kind of seeing what everyone's hard work was, was, you know, resulting in. Of course, the Metropolitan Riveters picked you, the very first pick of the 2016 draft, uh, again, a first, first black player to be the first pick uh, of, of a draft um, what did that mean? I mean, at that time, I mean, I know I asked you about the, you know, being a head coach, but as a player and a professional player, what did that mean to you? Yeah, I, I think, you know, that was something that I think was that kind of first taste of, you know, kind of being the first. And that was, um, you know, in, in terms of realizing kind of the magnitude that, my position had um it was something that was definitely special to me I remember you know when I found out that I had gotten drafted first overall um you know I was just driving in the car with my mom and it was just such a special moment to 
kind of get to share that with her as well. Um, but it was definitely something that I was, you know, really proud of and, um, you know, excited to kind of, you know, get that, you know, have that, that ability and, and have that chance to, you know, really represent and, and show other young girls that they can also play, you know, other young girls of color that they can also play, you know, play hockey and play well and, and even play professionally. Yeah, and then two th- what a couple of years later, uh, you helped to lead your team to the Isobel Cup. That was 2018. Uh, along the way, you were named co-MVP of the NWHL All-Star Game. Yeah, yeah, it was, um, you know, that was really my first full season um, in the NWHL. And, um, you know, we just had, in terms of, you know, in terms of, reward for the work that was something that I had never experienced before you know I I certainly we pushed ourselves really hard in college and you know we we worked hard day in and day out but it's to to play at the women's professional level it's a whole new ball game in terms of you know dedication to your craft um you know you're uh, most of us were working you know full days nine to five jobs and then you know going to practice at night and you know, for myself, I was driving two hours each way to get to practices and games. And so, you know, to see kind of all the dedication rolled into one and, and to have that reward of, of winning the championship that year was just really special. And um, to add, you know, the all-star experience on top of that, you know, I couldn't have asked for kind of a better year, especially being my first really full year, um, you know, in professional women's ice hockey. Couple of more thoughts with Kelsey Colzer, again, the head coach of the Arcadia Women's Ice Hockey Program. Again, the first black head coach in NCAA ice hockey history. Great player uh, at Princeton, uh, able to win an NWHL Isabel Cup in 2018 with the Metropolitan or New York Riveters. Um, so now you're, I mean, you're only 25. Like, are you, are your playing days over? Um, yeah, you know, I think at this point it's you know it's it's transitioned into you know focusing on the other aspects of the game and and that's something that um i think is partly due to you know the i mean one the number of the amount of time and and dedication that it does take to you know be a a college hockey coach um you know but as well we've certainly seen kind of the impact that um you know the covid and the pandemic has had on professional women's ice hockey there hasn't been you know whether it's at the whether it's you know the the highest level of international women's hockey or you know women's professional hockey it's been tough to you know really have a season or or have any kind of play and so you know I think with that break and then leading into um you know leading into my first season as as head coach it's um it's likely looking that you know I'm more of a beer league player now than uh you know than a professional yeah, no, no, definitely. I mean, I, I didn't even th- think about that in terms of the COVID and women's professional hockey. Two last thoughts. I mean, how were you, you know, growing up? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm sure like most of us <laughs> of color, you, you face racism. How were you able to deal with that, particularly playing hockey growing up? Yeah, you know, I I, I always played um, in co-ed. Well, mostly, I mean, I was typically the only girl on the ice. Um, you know, when I was first starting to play. And so from, 
you know, very early on, I oftentimes got targeted for being the only girl. And so I really think that that kind of helped to, t- to, to thicken my skin and, and toughen me up for, you know, some of those racial comments that I would face later on in my playing career. Um, but ultimately for me, it was just, you know, the importance of having a, a really great support system. Um, you know, I was, I'm, I'm biracial. And so, you know, having, you know, having the, the support from both sides of my family was really what I think, you know, helped me understand the severity of, of those situations and, you know, helped me develop a good, you know, game plan to kind of combat that and, and just, you know, never let that really bother me or hinder me from playing the game. And then lastly, the effect you have, and I've read uh, somewhere where you've gone and, and visited and talk with girls, uh, particularly those uh, of color, um, the effect uh, you have on black children and children of color, what does that mean to you? I think that's, you know, as, especially as I've gotten older, I mean, that's what has kept me going. Um, it's to have that opportunity, you, you realize that it's, it's bigger than yourself. It's bigger than just, you know, going out to win a game. It's, you know, more so playing the game so that, you know, girls moving forward um, are able to play the game and, and, you know, so that hopefully my daughters don't think twice about playing ice hockey. And um, I mean, if I have daughters, but, um, you know, it's just thinking about the future and and the impact that, you know, myself and and some of the other really amazing, um, you know, girls of color that are playing hockey right now and, you know, the professional rank, internationally you know as well as in in the NCAA it's it's putting the best foot forward so that again we you know I mentioned it earlier so that hopefully in the future it's it's just part of the norm it's 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 not this you know huge ordeal to to see a black player playing or even a black woman playing and so you know I think that's something that is is just so special and something that has really I think helped push me as I've gotten, you know, older in my playing career. Kelsey Colzer is the head coach of the Arcadia Women's Ice Hockey Program, first black head coach in NCAA ice hockey history, joins us here on Box to Row. Kelsey, really appreciate you doing this. Continued success in all you do. Thank you very much. Kelsey Colzer joining us today here on Box to Row on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. You can react to anything that Kelsey had to say on Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Detroit Pistons general manager Troy Weaver is up next. Delaware on ESPNU Radio, right here on Sirius XM. What up, what up? Yo, 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 yo. Okay, KK. Let's continue here on BoxToRow. We're joined by a gentleman in his first season as the general manager of the Detroit Pistons, t- prior to that, spent 12 seasons with OKC, the last three as the vice president of basketball operations. Prior to that, spent time with the Utah Jazz, was a coach in college, assistant at Syracuse and Pitt. He's a Bowie State alum. He is Troy Weaver. Joins us here on Box to Row. Troy, welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Glad to have you. I just want to kind of get your thoughts. Not even really a year on the job. You were hired January 18th of 2020. 
I just want to kind of get your thoughts on how things are going and the Pistons rebuild. Yeah, Donald, uh, we're actually calling the restoring um, because when I got the job in June, uh, I wanted this to be a restoration of the greatness that's uh, been here uh, with the Pistons. So uh, we're trying to restore uh, the greatness here, but uh, it's a big challenge, big job, and we're excited for the opportunity uh, and looking forward to uh, continuing this uh, restoration. No question. I mean, you've got some nice pieces in place, certainly for the, the future. I mean, your track record is phenomenal. and We're going to talk more uh, about that. How do you feel like, you know, how long do you think maybe before, uh, to your point, great history with the Pistons, that the Pistons, a couple of championships, of course, along the way, will be back in contention? Well, we this year we got our first shovel in the ground, and uh, we want to continue to uh, – build it the right way, uh, not shortcut anything. Um, so, uh, I mean, to, we want to be competitive first uh, before we can be contenders. And uh, next year, um, we expect to be uh, competitive, uh, keep building on it. Then hopefully in a couple of years, we'll, we'll be ready to, to be a real legitimate playoff team. You know, for you, I mean, you're you're a guy that, I mean, the time in, in OKC, you know, was outstanding. As I mentioned, the last three as VP of, of basketball operations, this is your first, you know, opportunity as the, the guy in the first seat. Uh, you know, how, how are, from a perspective in terms of um, your growth and not even one year on the job, how, how do you feel like, you know, you, you are kind of growing in this job and, uh, maybe some of the challenges that uh, it presents in terms of being that guy in the first seat. Yeah, well, it's a, a challenge in itself, but uh, just like a backup quarterback, you, you, you're constantly preparing to be the starter. And um, I was afforded uh, say some great opportunities in OKC to um, learn different aspects of the job and, be involved in that. Uh, so I, I think I was uh, prepared and, and trained properly to uh, be ready to uh, assume this position uh, whenever it was afforded. And, you know, June 18th, 2020 was, was the day and uh, I was ready and um, I was blessed with the opportunity and, hey, I'm full speed ahead. Yeah, no question. I mean, what made I mean, from some of the reading I did, you know, you may have had some other opportunities. What made Detroit the right opportunity for you? Um, well, number one, um, the the rich history uh, with the with the organization was extremely attractive. Uh, Detroit being a great city, um, as well. Uh, that I thought fit myself and my family. Um, and then um, a chance to um, work with uh, Tom Gores and Arm Tellum and Coach Casey. Um, you know, I thought that was a tremendous opportunity for someone like myself. So, um, yeah, I, I just felt like it hit uh, everything I was looking for um, in an opportunity and uh, – 
it's been all that and some since I've been here. So uh, we're excited to be here. Uh, but Detroit uh, right away uh, felt like home. Troy Weaver is in his first season as the general manager of the Detroit Pistons, joins us here on Box to Row. I want to talk a little bit about your time in OKC. I mean, you you touched on it. I mean, you're a guy that is known as a guy that can evaluate talent uh, very well. And you look at the drafts of, you, you know, during your time, Russell Westbrook and James Harden and Serge Ibaka, Stephen Adams. I mean, the, the OKC made a nice run. And even towards the latter part, you know, able to, to get some guys to really come in uh, and, and play. Your thoughts. What, what, just speak about your time in OKC. Yeah, I mean, it was tremendous uh, opportunity. We moved there from Seattle uh, and really had a blank canvas to really restart the program uh, there in OKC and uh, build it from scratch. And uh, what a journey that was, uh, having a chance to build a franchise there in a tremendous city, tremendous following. And... Um, you know, we did everything there except win the championship. We got two finals. We went to, you know, uh, four Western Conference finals. Uh, I mean, it was it was a great, great time there. Uh, worked with some wonderful people there, and, and like you said, we 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 drafted and acquired some tremendous talent. Um, I, I was blessed to be a part of it, but it was it was a great journey. Yeah, you know, just to just to revisit history just a little bit, uh, did did you all feel like you could still, you know, when 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 Kevin Durant left, you know, did you feel like? I mean, what what were your thoughts then, you know, when he left, and did you all think you could? I mean, obviously you're going to think you can contend for a title. I mean, Russell Westbrook's there. You still got some 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 nice pieces there, but just kind of that time. What, what, what were your thoughts personally? Uh, when when Kevin Durant, uh, Kevin Durant left to go to Golden State, yeah, I mean, we understood. It. I understood it personally. Um, it was just a tough time. We had just come off of uh, losing the Western Conference Finals to Golden State, and so it was just fresh on everybody's mind um, losing that series. And then when he chose to go to Golden State, that was, you know, that was tough. Um, but, you know, everything has a season. Uh, I, I think he felt like he needed a new challenge. He wanted to try something different. Uh, he wanted some new voices, some new teammates. So, I mean, players and coaches and people in the front office, you know, I think they uh, all hit that time, and that was his time. It was just uh, bad timing uh, because of, uh, in my opinion, bad timing because we had just come off that series. But I, I understood, and then we, you know, uh, we trudged forward and, you know, made the best out of the situation. And a few years later, we, you know, was able to acquire Paul George and um, Carmelo Anthony. We we had a tremendous team uh, two years after. Uh, but Andre Robeson got hurt, and that kind of derailed us because, the starting lineup of Russell Westbrook, Andre Robeson, Paul George, Carmelo Anthony, Stephen Adams didn't lose a game. Um, but the injuries derailed us, and we were ne- never able to get back to the Western Conference Finals. But 
um, you know, we we were playoff perennial playoff team uh, after he left. So I, I mean, uh, we kept you know driving forward, uh, but it's always tough tough to lose. You know, one of the best players in the game. Troy Weaver again in his first season as the general manager of the Detroit Pistons joins us here on the program. Your time in Utah uh, as uh, not only a scout, but then I believe the also the director of the, the scouting department in essence. Uh, can you speak to how that helped to shape you in terms of being on the management level and then ultimately the success that you've had? Yeah, absolutely. Um, cutting it. My teeth with the Utah Jazz was everything. Um, being able to work in a stable franchise, one of the uh, best franchises in the NBA, uh, working there with Kevin O'Connor and Walt Perrin, but more importantly, uh, learning from Coach Sloan and his staff, Bill Johnson. Um, cutting my teeth there really uh, made my career. Uh, learning there. Uh, working with Hall of Famers and great people, um, learning nuances uh, of every aspect of the, you know, the NBA, uh, the coaching part, the scouting, and the front office. Uh, I credit all that to uh, my first four years in NBA working with the Utah Jazz. Tremendous um, opportunity. Uh, I cherish those memories. Uh, I still consider myself a jazz man uh, working there um, with tremendous blessing. So I, I owe a great deal of credit to the jazz organization and working with those people and uh, really cutting my teeth and, and showing me the way. And then your time before that, as mentioned, a coach with a Pittsburgh, uh, assistant coach with Pittsburgh in college, and then also with Syracuse as an assistant working with uh, with Coach Beheim, where ultimately you're able to help get Carmelo Anthony to Syracuse, his only season there, uh, the Syracuse wins the national championship. What, what do you remember most about that? Yeah, uh, my college days were great. Um, first getting in the business, working for Ralph Willard Pittsburgh, tremendous experience. He really showed me the way from being an AU and high school coach. He um, really taught me um, how to be a coach uh, on the college level and taught me a lot about the game. Uh, remember, you know, deep conversations uh, about my career going forward, and Coach Willow was tremendous. Uh, I also worked a, a year in New Mexico with Fran Vichella before heading to Syracuse where uh, working with another Hall of Famer, Jim Beheim. Um, was a tremendous opportunity. We were afforded uh, a chance to uh, go to Final Four and win the national championship in 2003. Um, Carmelo uh, was tremendous um, that season. Freshman that led us. Uh, but working with Jim Beheim was uh, tremendous. He, uh, he lets you be yourself. Uh, he gives you a lot of responsibility um but expects you know a lot of re you know with a lot of of that comes a lot of responsibility uh, and accountability and uh we had great time i had a great four years there and uh, 
capped it off with a national championship before I was able to head to the NBA. So I've been blessed and fortunate to, to work with, you know, Hall of Famer Jim Beheim, uh, Jerry Sloan, and uh, I'm sure that um, in the near future, uh, Billy Donovan, uh, who I work with in OKC, will be a Hall of Famer as well. So uh, my time in college was well spent uh, working with some, some great people there. A couple of last thoughts again. Troy Weavers, the general manager of the Detroit Pistons. What do you remember about your time at Bowie State University? Wow. Um, you know, going to HBCUs, tremendous um, opportunity to grow as a person. Um, a lot of friends there, uh, but a lot of professors there that poured into you. That's the most uh I remember from Bowie State, the professors there that really poured into you and believed in you and uh, wanted nothing but the best for you. Uh, Dr. Ingram and Dr. Miller in particular, uh, two gentlemen who really poured into me and uh, inspired me to be the best version of myself. Uh, And I think that's the secret sauce in HBCUs that um, the professors and the environment uh, that you get where uh, the belief, the self-belief that uh, you get to be the best version of yourself. So I'm forever grateful for that experience. Yeah, and to your point, I mean, HBCUs have so much to offer. I mean, you look at a guy like a, uh, but from an athletic standpoint, you look at a, you know, in our in our area in Washington, you look at a guy like a like a McCure Maker at Howard hasn't quite worked out to this point, but we had seen some rumblings of maybe some guys that are four or five star kids that may come that may go to HBCUs. Your thoughts is it? Do you think that's something that we'll ultimately see, and then? you know, something where we'll see those guys ultimately end up in the association? Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, a positive trend. Uh, 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 Hopefully, um, young men will continue to look at those HBCUs and uh, Maker, actually my son's a freshman there at Howard on the team with him. Um, So, uh, hopefully he can have a good experience and uh, other young players can can see that in, in, in all walks, you know, whether it's football, basketball, uh, baseball, golf, whatever the sport is, and take their talents um, to an HBCU. But uh, I think it's a positive trend, and uh, I think definitely uh, playing at HBCU can, can help you and uh, hopefully – um, land you uh, in the in, in the professional ranks, but I definitely think it's uh, a, a positive trend that hopefully that um, you know our society will continue to push and and, and see it as a uh, another avenue uh, of of getting to the professional ranks. Last thought with Troy Weaver, and we appreciate the time very much, Troy. Uh, growing up in, in Washington, like ultra-rich, you know, high school basketball, AAU circuit. I mean, obviously you would know about that, uh, being, being the head coach at, and, and helping to found the D.C. Assault. Uh, speak to how the, as we call it, the area uh, helped shape you and, uh, you know, coaching uh, and helping to form that D.C. Assault team. Mm, I mean – being from the DMV is everything to me. Uh, 
rich um, basketball everywhere. Um, uh, but being able to work with young men, I, I always thought was was my ministry, and, and us starting that AAU program was was our way of giving back and helping young men uh, grow and develop, uh, get on to college and become productive citizens. That was that was a that was the goal uh, to get them to college and uh, show them the way so that they can uh, get on. Not only be good players, but to be good people, um, be productive citizens, and uh, we have, you know, boatloads of examples of that that's come through there. And excited about the, the time we share, but the DMV, you know, uh, tremendous, tremendous uh, wealth of talent, um, of basketball players there, and and I was fortunate and blessed to be a part of that. Uh, and, and carve out my small little niche and uh, proud of it. Uh, we'll, we'll always wave the flag uh, for the DMV. Absolutely. No question about it. Troy Weaver again in his first season as the general manager of the Detroit Pistons. He's a Bowie State alum, and he's one of the best talent scouters that we have in basketball. He joins us here on box to row troy really appreciate the time uh continued success to you and the pistons and you moving forward oh thanks for having me and uh, continued success to you and your program and all the best and go pistons appreciate it troy i'm over the time we'll come back react to what troy weaver had to say and wrap today's show up after this You don't sit behind a desk every day to earn a living. You're out and about making it happen. And sometimes you get a little bit behind on your paperwork. You know, like bookkeeping and paying your taxes. It's easy to get behind on paying your taxes. It happens to the best of us. And you know what happens next. The big bad IRS comes knocking on your door. And when that happens, you need to call the good old boys at the tax doctor. Let them do what they do best. Deal and negotiate with the IRS so you pay the lowest you can in back taxes that the law allows. We are a 100% U.S.-based company, and we've saved our clients millions over the years in back taxes. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, call my friends right now at the tax doctor and learn more. 800-659-7980. 800-659-7980. 800-659-7980. That's 800-659-7980. It's Donald Ware from the press box to press row. Troy Weaver, the general manager of the Detroit Pistons, is a Bowie State alum, joined us in the last segment here on Box to Row on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. You want to react to anything that Troy Weaver had to say? Hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W, and do so. Listen, Pistons have right now the second worst record in the NBA. And so, I mean, it's there's no guarantee that you're going to get the number one pick. It's not like in football where if you have the worst record, you get the number one pick. There's a lottery system. I mean, you have more of a chance. The worse the record, the better the chance that you have to be the number one pick. 
And, I mean, there's some guys that are going to be coming out that the Pistons are going to really like. But since Troy Weaver has gotten there, again, he's only he's had less than a year under his belt, and the Pistons were really a mess. He was able to get rid of the contract of Blake Griffin. He was also able to get rid of the contract uh, of Derrick Rose as well. Uh, their lottery pick from last year, Killian Hayes. I mean, he's been injured, but, I mean, he's shown some flashes of some of the things that he can do. The offseason acquisition of Jeremy Grant, I mean, I think it's I think it's going to pay dividends down the road. He's he, if I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly, he's one of the more sought after pieces. He's not a guy that is going to be able to carry a team, but he's a a piece to a team. So if Detroit, they're going to have some money for next year, right? They can go out and try to lure some free agents. And you heard Troy mention the fact that listen, this is a franchise that has a legacy that has a great history. Three NBA championships, if you think about it. You look at that, uh, what was that, 89 and 90 back-to-back championships, and then you look at the championship in 2004 where Larry Brown was the head coach. They are they, He's looking to rebuild that legacy. Had never talked with Troy Weaver uh, before. As a matter of fact, I, I wasn't even aware that he was a Bowie State alum. And... I mean, look at what he was able to do in OKC, building that roster out. He talked about Kevin Durant and how it it hurt for the uh, for OKC to lose him. But even in the midst of that, the OKC was able to you know was able to go out and get a Paul George after the whole Kevin Durant situation. Able to go out and get a Chris Paul who made that team exponentially. Better look. You take, you take Chris Paul away, and right now OKC has like the third worst record, the worst in the NBA, the worst record, of course, and being solidified by the Houston Rockets. So his track record speaks of a guy that scouts talent well, that has been instrumental. Yeah, he wasn't the head guy again in OKC, but he was. He had a lot of input. In OKC, and Sam Presti has said as much in various interviews that I've read, uh, where he's talking about Troy Weaver and the opportunity that he ultimately has with Detroit. Came in, made some moves right away, and uh, again has an opportunity to get a lottery pick. He's going to get a lottery pick. It's just a matter of how high and selecting the right guy. And I mean to be to see Jane. I mean I don't know if anybody saw that James Harden as a player in college at Arizona state was going to be the player that we ultimately see. I don't think anybody's, I don't know. I, I, you know, I think back to that draft. He, 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 I think OKC picked him fifth. And I mean, he was definitely a good player, but a player of that caliber. I don't think so. And so to be able to select him, some others, you know, Steven Adams and, some other guys that he selected to make OKC relevant for the years that OKC was relevant, did some things with Utah. Of course, you go into the college ranks, was able to recruit Carmelo Anthony to Syracuse. Syracuse ultimately wins the national title. Bayheim's first and only for all the years he was trying to win it with Carmelo Anthony as a freshman 
and, and, and if I remember, Syracuse was was good. But I don't know if they were like national championship good. And and Carmelo Anthony really carried that team to the national championship. So Troy Weaver getting it done, trying to get it done in Detroit. Before I get out of here today, want to remind you the HBCU football season has only been complete for about two weeks or so. But remember, the HBCU football All-America team can be found on our website at BoxToRow.com. As a matter of fact, some great content on the website at BoxToRow.com. If you've missed any of our shows over going back maybe even six months or so, you can check all of those out on our website. All of those shows out on our website at BoxToRow.com. Just some wonderful, wonderful content. If you missed any of our HBCU football daily podcasts, I mean, listen, I mean, football season, what, ending 1st of May, and we're going to get things cranked up to start the season, what, end of August, early September. So, I mean, football season just ending, but going to get started right back up. Thank you to my guests today, Troy Weaver, and also joining us, Kelsey Colzer here on the program. We'll have both of these interviews up early next week on our website, BoxToRow.com. And always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented by DW Communications. Time for this show to drop the lid. That'll do it for this week's From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. Join us again next week for an in-depth look at historically black college athletics and the biggest news stories of the day. From the Press Box to Press Row, a DW Communications production. DW Communications, keeping it real.